Hi everyone, and welcome to the RegTech Report, your update on all things RegTech. My name is Carl Viertel, and with me is Stefan Celestio. Our mission is to bring you the latest news, speak with industry pioneers, and news about the latest tech. All right, welcome back, everyone, to a, uh, I guess, a special uh, episode of the RegTech Report, in that, uh, of course... Of course, we're all virtual. Um, uh, of course, I have Stefan. Yeah, hi there. But what's so special? I don't know what's going on. What's happening? <laughs> uh, we're uh, just, uh, you know, uh, we're all working out of home office because uh, mainly of being hungover, <laughs> I think. Wasn't that the reason? Oh, uh, yeah, something like that. But uh, we also have a very special guest today. Special guest. Where's the Bailey? Yeah, he is. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, obviously there can only be uh, one real topic today. Uh, obviously, the uh, COVID-19 uh, uh, corona outbreak. And uh, uh, Stefan, you are more excited about this and all the data sources and uh, all the uh, various aspects to it than anyone reasonably should. Um, <laughs> what's your take on the situation? I mean, you know, like I said, uh, the last time we recorded this, it's a very dynamic situation. So, I mean, it's interesting because there's something new every day or like every hour. And uh, in many ways, um, I think I've, 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 I had a couple of these crisis situations also in previous jobs. And it's interesting just to observe also how, how people are reacting to the situation um, and going through this like typical cycle of uh, first saying, ah, you know, nothing is going on, then you know, like in a kind of denial stage and then maybe realizing and then either like being like frozen or going into like a panic hyperactivity mode. And uh, I think a lot of now are switching into this, okay, what are we actually going to do about it? Uh, and this is, I think, really the product productive way of dealing with it. Yes, I mean, uh, obviously at Align, uh, we were reasonably uh, well prepared for adverse effects to our businesses, let's put it this this way. I don't think sort of the uh, size and magnitude and scale of what we're seeing now is necessarily something that everyone had on their plan. Um, but, you know, we took the uh, uh, reasonable precautions, social distancing. We uh, uh, pretty early on uh, canceled all business travel. We, uh, of course, are now working virtually. Um, of course, we uh, are uh, making sure that, you know, our interactions uh, with our customers just are moving all to virtual, um, that we're reducing content as much as possible. Um, and, uh, I mean, how do you think it's uh, going so far? I mean, are you sensing any uh, impact on our effectiveness or productivity so far? Uh, no, not really. I mean, uh, we were we are kind of used to this anyway because we are such a distributed organization, right? I mean, we still uh, put quite a um, focus on having office spaces where we can meet because there is uh, you have much more personal bandwidth when you're interacting with people on a personal, like on a direct level. Um, but it's not a far a big stretch for us to shift to such a mode. Um, but I find it interesting how we're now, um, uh, like how we're dealing with certain aspects of like missing the personal interaction, like just doing maybe a bit more like social video calls, actually turning on the video more than before. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, Bailey was actually a little bit of a trailblazer because uh, early in the year, um, Bailey needed to be back in South Africa for personal reasons. And uh, so you were working virtually for uh, a few weeks, actually. Um, so uh, business as usual for you, Bailey? Yeah, it worked pretty well. And uh, actually, 
I think it was surprising to me, especially with the new team, just to see how easily it was doable, um, just with all of these, you know, digital things that we have in place. So, yeah. Yeah, and, and one thing I, I'm observing on myself, I mean, um, like we had this in the past sometimes, when you change environment and you change um, situation, this is great for creativity and innovation because somehow you have new impulses. Um, and I, I, I wrote down like a uh, blog article draft um, a couple of hours ago. And these, um, something where usually like there would be so many things going on, so many interruptions that I never get down to it. But now actually um, uh, it could be a quite positive Situation similar, like now people come out with this comparison of Isaac Newton was sent home from college uh, because there was a black plague in in London or in Cambridge or wherever, and uh, then he basically discovered uh, the theory of optics at that time. Huh? Yeah, and I I read on Twitter the uh, uh, my favorite take on that was uh, Isaac Newton discovered a uh, major theory of physics. You will find the unmute button on Zoom. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And apparently, uh, Shakespeare wrote King Lear. During the plague, there's all these kind of examples. Huh? So, uh, uh, pretty interesting what comes out of this. I, I will take the other side for just a moment. So, a lot of like uh, one of the common arguments on sort of working virtually is, oh, I have less interruptions, yeah. right? But I would argue sometimes these interruptions are actually people communicating Absolutely. something important with you. Absolutely, right? And so, while it might seem like an interruption for you, the question is, is it really an interruption for everyone else? And what's yeah. sort of the the net benefit for interruption versus communication and uh, will we be able to keep everyone as informed as necessary um, over sort of the coming uh, weeks. But yeah, I'm not, I, I don't have a final opinion on that. Yeah. And it's also different kinds of interruptions, right? I mean, just in a home environment, you might have kids or whatever um, where uh, it's, it's, it's not like it's a totally, um, distraction-free environment. Uh, and it depends, I guess, on the pers personality on how you deal with that. So, uh, Stefan, about that blog article, tell us more. Yeah, so um, one thing that came out, I actually uh, got this from a, from a friend um, saying they just closed down their production, but it's okay. Um, they can work from home. They're, they're like uh, back office. Uh, but then he said, ah, but you know, it's very difficult to get into a VPN. It's always like overloaded right now. And I kept thinking, okay, maybe that's happening to quite a bunch of uh, companies right now because the capacity is not planned for what's happening right now. Yeah, it's the BCM. Uh, and, and, the BCM and some of these base. things might be some, something simple. Yeah? Maybe they didn't buy enough licenses, so that can be re um, remedied quite fast. But often also, especially on VPNs, um, Often this is like quite old legacy equipment. It's it's like physical metal somewhere in their in their um, on-premise data centers or even in their office locations. And these things you cannot upgrade so fast to have more capacity. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I wonder especially where um, there are these setups where you're not actually uh, logging onto individual applications, but there's like a virtual workstation that's spun up yeah. on a hardware that's in your data center that basically represents your profile and like i i would be very surprised if um the capacity for that is covers yeah. every employee yeah. absolutely i mean these things are very expensive in the license and the and the actual physical hardware that you need for all that power so no one would size that for every employee that would be in a normal situation would be stupid. Huh? But yeah. uh, on the other end, it highlights like that, that paradigm that like you have the perimeter and you need to have something like a VPN um, that a lot of people still rely on. This is broken, obviously. And uh, I mean, we've been talking about this before, right? And uh, uh, it's just, 
Yeah, and it's it's very it's difficult to change it if you have this legacy. But uh, I even dug out uh, today. There was this uh, paper from Google from 2015. I think they called it like Beyond Corp, where they announced they shifting all their own enterprise application, like for internal use, basically to a internet direct internet model, and not relying on something like perimeter firewalls and so on. And I mean, we built our operations from the start like this, so we don't have to deal with like. Who, uh, yep. who, who has the VPN client or whatever? Um, so we are just on the internet, and we are, we we uh, yep. model our risk and threat situation based on that assumption, and then it's totally possible. You just have to shift your your protections to somewhere else. And come to think of it, it's actually um, I'm just thinking of the email or the Slack message that we sent to everyone announcing yeah. Yeah. Uh, that we would be working virtually, right? And um, the checklist we had was very yeah. much organizational yeah. and people measures, not technical, right? We said, have your laptop with you, have a good internet connection, have uh, a good headset, communicate, over-communicate, get on calls, right? And it, it's uh, really sort of a, a miniature reflection yeah. of security management in yeah. sort of the cloud age, right? Have the interface correct, have the people use it correctly, technology you don't care about. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, some, sometimes I think these things also highlight maybe um, down like um, failures of actually digitized electronic online collaboration. Now, I actually saw today um, um, some people discussing about this. Um, that, um, for example, if you, we're talking about Slack, for us, it's always this discussion on um, if people are using direct messages, it's kind of lost for the rest, and it's uh, you have a very like uh, you're yeah. losing that information, right? And uh, it might be useful for somebody else. It's kind of also that water cooler coffee machine talk. And uh, the guys on that discussion that I saw compared it to if you're using a lot of DMs and Slack and doing um, direct messaging is um, it's like email first of all. Uh, it's going back to that uh, method. And then the next comparison they had, and this really stuck, uh, stuck with me, is um, that uh, the way people are used to um, use email, especially in a corporate context, is like fax. Yeah, It's like transporting that, that methodology from a fax machine to just something on the screen. And uh, thinking about this, you have to change your working also and your, your collaboration about this. Yeah, but here's the irony. And... Uh... Bailey, I know uh, I always sound like a broken record and, and uh, you always have the same response for me in that you say, but this is how this, you know, the young generation communicates. We do work on DM. We don't want to be necessarily public. Um, so uh, are, is uh, the DM the facts of your generation, Bailey? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's definitely what we're used to. And it's obviously instant communication with uh, certain people, um, not necessarily always broadcast, although I guess it's a fine line because uh, some people will broadcast everything on uh, Instagram um, to the whole world and then for the rest remain quite private in their, in their DMs. So... That, that is a very astute observation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, and also there's there's WhatsApp groups. I mean, people are use WhatsApp groups heavily. So, yeah. And that would be the equivalent of Slack channels. Uh, now, one thing that uh, that I find is uh, is a little bit surprising, or where I'm I don't quite have certainty yet, is uh, the whole economic impact of uh, uh, mm. of the crisis. So obviously, the stock markets have had a ridiculous tumble. I, I don't know the worst day since 1987 or something like that. And uh, you know the the indexes are still down by you know 25, 30 percent. Um, now, obviously, there are industries that are massively affected, right? I mean, 
uh, let's say I, I wouldn't buy airline stocks right about now. Um, <laughs> conference yeah. organizers, probably also not on the short list. Um, yeah. On the other hand, right, if um, one of our customers is a bank or an insurance company and uh, we're an entirely virtual organization, why does this need to impact us, right? Why shouldn't we continue on and, uh, you know, demonstrate that remote working works, that we, uh, you know, are a resilient economy and uh, just just keep things going, right? Why, why the panic right now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think right now it's everybody is very occupied with this topic and it's very top of mind. And then sometimes, like we had this um, from one of our, um, uh, prospects are saying, ah, we need to, you know, postpone the ordering process because right now this is like very important. Yeah, but it's a distraction, maybe. There's, there's no actual reason, maybe, behind that. Uh, and it could shift, I think, back to the normal mode for a lot of these, I would say, like white collar jobs, yeah? Uh, yeah. all these kind of office type of things. Um, if you are, if you're not able to virtualize this now, you really have an underlying problem in your organization. I would say. Yeah. I mean, my hypothesis is, is if, um, you know, this whole social distancing thing works and uh, we see sort of a turnaround as we do in China, China picks up steam and, you know, let's say come Easter, the week after Easter, where, you know, uh, there's a, the end in, in sight, I think that, you know, this could actually go past us uh, from an economic perspective. Yeah. Um, I think it takes much longer than that. We might have a bit of an issue, but uh, um, I mean, my my take is right. Um, it's this is like we can't necessarily do that much in in the cri in the crisis fighting the infection apart from what we're doing: social distancing, staying home, uh, avoiding people. But what we can do actually, where we have influence, is actually. Um, basically defining how bad this is going to be for the economy, right? Yeah. If we keep working with our vendors, if our um, customers can, uh, or potential future customers keep working with us, like, you know, we, we, we can define how bad this gets. Absolutely. And uh, I think there are many ways to go sometimes the extra mile now. Uh, so there can be little things like um, us with our customers saying, look, okay, you need longer in ordering, Normally, we would say we we don't start like activities, but maybe we are willing to do that a bit more right now. Maybe um, like payment things can be relaxed, like the state is also doing, uh, or even little on a personal level. I mean, I posted yesterday on Facebook this like to uh, you know bars, restaurants. You know, uh, I'm happy to like. Um, support them in some ways where I go like very often where I'm, where I know the people because I would spend that money anyway. Yeah. I'm just not doing it now. So uh, I think that's, uh, you just yeah, yeah. But no, I'm doing it at home then. Yeah. But uh, this is, I think the, the, the solidarity that I'm trying to a bit kind of um, um, put in into, because there was a lot of maybe also uh, 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 egoistical behavior like you know grabbing the to the toilet paper pack from the from the grandma in front of you yeah? um so not me yeah not me but i heard this is happening but uh maybe we know I'll, all kind of need to take a step back and say okay look uh, we actually um support each other no why not yeah? i like that but uh, that being said um once uh, i mean it will pass one way or another right i mean um, but what will the world look like um, after? What are the things that are never going back? So you always like to uh, 
um, to uh, use the uh, boiling the frog <laughs> metaphor, right? How do you yeah. do it one step at a time? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely you can you can tell it's a new normal. Some things are the new normal and will stay the new the new normal. What those are? What um, are so I think um, you, you mentioned this already. I mean, the whole like on the on the IT infrastructure side, this whole movement to cloud will be will be even more accelerated after this whole thing. Somebody uh, will like proposes like an on-premise infrastructure, I think they will have a very hard time to justify that in, in light of this experience right now. What about you, Bailey? What do you think is uh, not going to go back to uh, what it used to be? I think to a degree, definitely working environments and remote work. Um, I think if people can see that they do this really well, and uh, I think across a lot of organizations, uh, if it really does work for people, um, you might be finding in future that it's actually going to be predominantly remote work. And I guess people will start only applying for jobs if it does offer, um, I guess, a remote working setup in some way or another. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think it is the future. I mean, everything is virtualizing anyway. I mean, we're seeing that also with the conferences and events that are being canceled and all these virtual events popping up. And so um, I just think, I mean, it's a, you know, a few years ago, whatever, even 20 years ago, it would have sounded so futuristic, but uh, it's it's actually on its way there. No, I, I'd agree. I mean, for me, one of the, the best examples is the idiocy that we all put our shampoo bottles into, um, I don't know if they're blast-proof plastic bags or what the point of that is. But, you know, at one point uh, there was one reaction because one person, I don't know, had tried to smuggle in explosives on an airplane uh, via shampoo bottle. And therefore, for the last 25 years or whatever it's been, uh, we're now all walking around with these stupid Ziploc bags, right? So, it's one of the, you know, it's the new normal. And like, my- I think, yeah, I think, I think that's actually a conspiracy theory uh, that uh, you know they did that so they can sell more like uh, on-flight drinks for in the in the no-frills carriers. Okay, I'm joking, but it sounds plausible, doesn't it? Bring bring on, <laughs> on your own booze has always been illegal, hasn't it? <laughs> I don't know. Well, I think you could have like the big, big uh, water bottles. At least that was not a problem. See, it's been so long that you can't even yeah. remember. They have, yeah, won. exactly, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now, but my prediction is that one thing that'll become the new normal is every time you enter anywhere, um, there will be um, uh, infrared cameras and thermometers uh, measuring your temperature. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I can. I have an experience about this from uh, being in Singapore um, yes. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah? So they uh, everywhere in Asia, and I, and I was in Asia also during the SARS epidemic, like 17 years ago when, I, when it was. So I was tra- traveling through Hong Kong. They already yeah, start. They all. Yeah. See, see, there's a pattern. Patient zero. But no, they they start. They they ha- were all heavily heavily hit by the SARS epidemic, and they started preparing. You could already see. Back then, in the in the uh, in the north, they they did the temperature scanning everywhere, and all they had all that equipment, yeah, and maybe new ones. So in Singapore, one month ago, you had this everywhere, yeah, really everywhere, yep. like in malls, in a, in a hotel, in the hotel lobby, in an office where I went, and it was part of the official response. They called this like this, uh, the disease response level, whatever, uh, orange, yeah, where like everybody was called for, and this was an official uh, mitigation. Um, to do the um, the temperature scanning, and the reason for that is is primarily that you identify cases very fast. It's also this whole thing about testing a lot, which I think in the West we haven't done as much. 
to identify cases yep. in, the, in, the, in the beginning so you can do a successful containment strategy. And containment doesn't work if you don't identify cases and then do contact tracing and so on. Yeah? So this is, this is really something we will, we will all like, and also the responsible people like uh, that do, are doing the decisions now in the health authorities will have to do a very deep look into each other's eyes. How do we prioritize certain things? For example, something like data privacy compared to um, yep. running an effective containment strategy on something like this. Yep. Because let's face it, the fact that you have um, face recognition yeah. paired with, uh, uh, you know, a temperature scan yeah. and uh, social graphs, yeah. you know, that can be powerful in identifying uh, infection routes, yeah. but also terrifying in so many other ways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, emergency situations, um, like the reason why it's difficult to declare an emergency, a state of emergency, is because, of course, also like uh, authoritarian regimes have used this to grab power. So, of course, there's always, um, like, this was what happened back in, in, in the 30s with the, with the Nazis in Germany. So, of course, this is a, something you really have to watch out. But um, just an easy example, this video that Kai posted uh, yesterday about how do, are they doing it in Nanjing in China. It's very interesting because they are they're shutting down the city. Yeah? Life is going on. They do, like, lots of simple things. Like, they have these QR codes everywhere that you're supposed to scan and like submit your data. So they know like if there's like a, if there was a case, okay, you've been also there and then that you are a potential contact person. How else can you trace this if you like, especially in public places? But this is, I think my, my, my main prediction on a macro global level, China will come out of this whole mess massively strengthened on the world stage. And there you see the signs right now already. Probably. Now, obviously, on a moving from a macro level uh, to a micro level. Um, <laughs> now, uh, what do you, we instead of doing uh, top three? Um, we were going to do um, three things um, that are um, better uh, working virtually, and uh, three things that are worse. And um, uh, I was uh, maybe uh, Stefan. What are your thoughts? What what's better and uh, what's worse? <laughs> okay, let me start with the better. So I would so say the the uh, the dress code definitely um, changes a bit. Yeah, you might have even more formal. I mean, we're not a formal dress code organization, right? But with some offices, you might even still have the like people come to work in a suit and so on. But if you stay at home, hey, uh, pants optional, right? So uh, <laughs> you can do yeah. what you want. Well, I listen. Aren't you happy it's a podcast at this point in time? Yeah, and even even on the video calls, it's usually only like your upper body and face, right? Uh, <laughs> What's worse? Uh, worse, so, um, I mean, we do post a lot of jokes in our Slack and, and like different channels, but one thing I do, it dropped a bit off because um, people are also focused on their work and so on, yeah? But uh, it's I think it's a bit easier to do this kind of off-topic banter while you're sitting in a meeting and just like, or like sitting at lunch and so on. Uh, and uh, this is a big part of our culture. So uh, this is uh, something I, I notice a bit going down. Fair enough. Bailey, you're better and worse. Uh, better being at home is escaping that office phone ringtone. <laughs> that seems we can funky. change it, you know. <laughs> I was just going to say, now that is something we could change, pandemic or not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, what's worse, gosh, better or worse, but yeah, I have full now, now full access to um, my stockpile drawer, um, which can, can be quite dangerous, I think. 
um, it's kind of like hibernation. I might uh, emerge out of here in three weeks' time, a totally different person. You know, some, you know, some people are doing like um, exercise and yoga sessions remotely with like video streams and so on. I saw that. True. Right. Okay, then I can count yeah. my, my snack eating with that. What's your snack of choice, Bailey? Um, trail mix. So that's that's at least relatively healthy. Uh, granola bars and um, gummies. Fair enough. All right, then uh, I guess uh, mine would be, uh, well, you're always home. And so at least in theory, you shouldn't have any missed packages from uh, DHL. Um, but I'm sure they'll find a way, um, even though I'm there not to deliver my parcel. Um, should be uh, should be no contact delivery, right? They should just drop it in front of the door now. Maybe. <laughs> like if Orlando was doing it now. My biggest drawback is obviously a severe interruption to my coffee supply. So uh, while I do have the same machine that we have in the office at home, um, I'm currently at my uh, in-laws and... Uh, The, the coffee game is not as strong as Adeline. So uh, what can I say? True, true. <laughs> well, this has certainly been a, uh, a very different episode. Um, uh, really enjoyed you have, having you on, Bailey. Um, Thanks. Yeah, yeah how, many, how many people can we put here in Zencaster? We should like expand this now that we have this infrastructure. Yeah, we'll just have an office banter hour. Yeah. <laughs> um, But at least uh, one aspect of our operations, the podcast that works uh, quite easily uh, virtually. And uh, uh, let's do this again soon. Thanks for listening. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter. Follow our dedicated podcast handle at the RegTech Rep. Make sure to rate this podcast and send your thoughts and comments to the RegTech Report at align.com. Once again, that's the RegTech Report at com. You can also follow Align on LinkedIn, Facebook, or Twitter, or catch up on our podcasts on align.com slash the RegTech Report. <laughs>